Chapter forty four of the Sword of Damocles by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In Mr. Stuyvesant's Parlours. Was I deceived, or did a sable cloud turn forth her silver lining on the night? Comus. Unworthy? Yes. Cicely stared at her father with wide-open and incredulous eyes. "'I cannot believe it,' she murmured. "'No, I cannot believe it.' Her father drew up a chair to her side. "'My daughter,' said he, with unusual tenderness, "'I have hesitated to tell you this, fearing to wound you, "'but my discretion will allow me to keep silence no longer.' bertram sylvester is not an honest man and the sooner you make up your mind to forget him the better not honest you would scarcely have recognized cicely's voice her father's hand trembled as he drew her back to his side it is a hard revelation for me to make to you after testifying my approval of the young man i sympathize with you my child but none the less I expect you to meet this disappointment bravely. A theft has been committed in our bank. You do not accuse him of theft. Oh, father, father. No, he stammered, I do not accuse him. But facts look very strongly against someone in our trust. And, but that is not sufficient, she cried rising in spite of his detaining hand till she stood erect before him you surely would not allow any mere circumstantial evidence to stand against a character as unblemished as his even if he were not the man whom your daughter he would not let her continue i admit that i should be careful how i breathed suspicion against a man whose record was unimpeached he assented. But Bertram Sylvester does not enjoy that position. Indeed, I have just received a communication which goes to show that he once actually acknowledged to having perpetrated an act of questionable integrity. Now a man as young as he, who... But I cannot believe it, she moaned. It is impossible clearly impossible how could he look me in the face with such a sin on his conscience he could not simply could not why father his brow is as open as the day his glance clear and unwavering as the sunlight it is some dreadful mistake it is not bertram of whom you are speaking her father sighed of whom else should it be come my child do you want to read the communication which i received last night do you want to be convinced no no she cried but quickly contradicted herself with a hurried yes yes let me be made acquainted with what there is against him if only that i may prove to you it is all a mistake there is no mistake he muttered handing her a folded paper this statement was written two years ago i witnessed it myself though i little knew against whose honour it was directed 
Read it, Cicely, and then remember that I have lost bonds out of my box at the bank that could only have been taken by someone connected with the institution. She took the paper in her hand and eagerly read it through. Suddenly she started and looked up. And you say that this was Bertram, this gentleman who allowed another man to accuse him of a past dishonesty? So the person declares who forwarded me this statement, and though he is a poor wretch and evidently not above making mischief, I do not know as we have any special reason to doubt his word. Cicely's eyes fell, and she stood before her father with an air of indecision. I do not think it was Bertram she faltered but said no more i would to god for your sake it was not he exclaimed but this communication together with the loss we have sustained at the bank has shaken my faith cicely young men are so easily led astray nowadays especially when playing for high stakes a man who could leave his profession for the sake of winning a great heiress father I know he has made you think it was for love, but when the woman whom a young man fancies is rich, love and ambition run too closely together to be easily disentangled. And now, my dear, I have said my say, and leave you to act according to the dictates of your judgment, sure that it will be in a direction worthy of your name and breeding and stooping for a hasty kiss he gave her a last fond look and quietly left the room and cicely for a moment she stood as if frozen in her place then a great tremble seized her and sinking down upon a sofa she buried her face from sight in a chaos of feeling that left her scarcely mistress of herself but suddenly she started up her face flushed her eyes gleaming, her whole delicate form quivering with an emotion more akin to hope than despair. I cannot doubt him, she whispered. It were as easy to doubt my own soul. He is worthy if I am worthy, true if I am true, and I will not try to unlove him. But soon the reaction came again and she was about to give full sway to her grief and shame when the parlour door opened she herself was sitting in the extension room and she saw mr sylvester and paula come in she at once rose to her feet but she did not advance a thousand hopes and fears held her enchained where she was besides there was something in the aspect of her friends which made her feel as though a welcome, even from her, would at that moment be an intrusion. They have come to see father, she thought, and... Ah, what, Cicely? Paula, who was too absorbed in her own feelings to glance into the extension room beyond, approached Mr. Sylvester and laid her hand upon his arm. Whatever comes, said she, truth honour and love remain and he bowed his head and seemed to kiss her hand and cicely observing the action grew pale and dropped her eyes 
realizing as by a lightning's flash both the nature of the feeling that prompted this unusual manifestation on his part and the possible sorrows that lay before her dearest friend if not before herself should the secret suspicions she cherished in regard to mr sylvester prove true when she had summoned up courage to glance again in their direction mr stuyvesant had entered the parlour and was nervously welcoming his guests mr sylvester waited for no preamble i have come said he in his most even and determined tones to speak to you in regard to a communication from a man by the name of holt which i was told was to be sent to you last evening did you receive such a one mr stuyvesant flushed grew still more nervous in his manner and uttered a short i did in a tone severer than he perhaps intended it will not be too much for me then to conclude that in your present estimation my nephew stands committed to a past dishonesty it has been one of my chief sources of regret one of them i say repeated mr stuyvesant that any loss of esteem on the part of your nephew must necessarily reflect upon the peace if not the honour of a man i hold in such high regard as yourself i assure you i feel it quite as a brother might quite as a brother mr sylvester at once rose mr stuyvesant declared he my nephew is as honest a man as walks this city's streets if you will accord me a few minutes private conversation i think i can convince you so i should be very glad replied mr stuyvesant glancing towards the extension room where he had left his daughter i have always liked the young man then with a quick look at the other's face you are not well mr sylvester thank you i am not ill let us say what we have to at once if you please and with just a glance at paula he followed the now somewhat agitated director from the room cicely who had started forward at their departure glanced down the long parlour before her and hastily faltered back paula was praying but in a few moments her feelings overcame her timidity and hurrying into her friend's presence she threw her arms about her neck and pressed her cheek to hers let us pray together she whispered paula drew back and looked her friend in the face you know what all this means she asked i guess was the low reply paula checked a sob and clasped cicely to her bosom he loves me she faltered and he is doing at this moment what he believes will separate us he is a noble man cicely noble as bertram though he once did she paused it is for him to say what not i she softly concluded then bertram is noble cicely timidly put in have you ever doubted it no and hiding their blushes on each other's shoulders the two girls sat breathlessly waiting while the clock ticked away in the music-room and the moments came and went that determined their fate suddenly they both rose mr stuyvesant and mr sylvester were descending the stairs mr sylvester came in first walking straight up to paula 
he took her in his arms and kissed her on the forehead my betrothed wife he whispered with a start of incredulous joy paula looked up his glance was clear but strangely solemn and peaceful he has heard all i had to say added he he is a just man but he is also a merciful one like you he declares that not what a man was but what he is determines the judgment of true men concerning him and taking her on his arm he stood waiting for mr stuyvesant who now came in where is my daughter were that gentleman's words as he closed the door behind him here papa he held out his hand and she sprang towards him cicely said he not without some tokens of emotion in his voice it is only right that i should inform you that we were all labouring under a mistake in charging mr bertram sylvester with the words that were uttered in the day street coffee-house two years ago mr sylvester has amply convinced me that his nephew neither was nor could have been present there at that time it must have been some other man of similar personality oh thank you thank you cicely's look seemed to say to mr sylvester and he is quite freed from reproach she asked with a smiling glance into her father's face a hesitancy in mr stuyvesant's manner struck with a chill upon more than one heart in that room yes he admitted at last the mere fact that a mysterious robbery has been committed upon certain effects in the bank of which he is cashier is not sufficient to awaken distrust as to his integrity but at that moment the doorbell rung your father would say cried mr sylvester taking advantage of the momentary break to come to the relief of his host that my nephew is too much of a gentleman to desire to press any claim he may imagine himself as possessing over you while even the possibility of a shadow rests upon his name the man who stole the bonds will be found said cicely and as if in echo to her words the parlour door opened and a messenger from the bank stepped briskly up to mr stuyvesant a note from mr folger said he with a quick glance at mr sylvester mr stuyvesant took the paper handed him read it hastily through and looked up with an air of some bewilderment i can hardly believe it possible cried he but hopgood has absconded hopgood absconded yes is not that the talk at the bank inquired mr stuyvesant turning to the messenger yes sir he has not been seen since yesterday afternoon when he left before the bank was closed for the night his wife says she thinks he meant to run away for before going he came into the room where she was kissed her and then kissed the child besides it seems that he took with him some of his clothes <laughs> and i had as much confidence in that man as i have now came from mr sylvester as the door closed upon the messenger if hopgood has run away it was from some generous but mistaken idea 
of sacrificing himself to the safety of another whom he may possibly believe guilty no rejoined mr stuyvesant for here is a note from him that refutes that supposition it is addressed to me and runs thus dear sir i beg your pardon and that of mr sylvester for leaving my duties in this abrupt manner but i have betrayed my trust and am no longer worthy of confidence i am a wretched man and find it impossible to face those who have believed in my honesty and discretion if i can bring the money back you shall see me again but if not be kind to my wife and little one for the sake of the three years when i served the bank faithfully john hopgood i don't understand it cried mr sylvester that looks as if he knew where the money was i begin to hope breathed cicely her father turned and surveyed her this puts a new aspect on matters said he she glanced up beaming oh will you do you say that you think the shadow of this crime has at last found the spot upon which it can rightfully rest it would not be common sense in me to deny that it has most certainly shifted its position with a radiant look at cicely paula crossed to mr stuyvesant's side and laying her hand on his sleeve whispered a word or two in his ear he immediately glanced out of the window at the carriage standing before the door then looked back at her and nodded with something like a smile in another moment he stood at the front door be prepared cried paula to cicely it was well she spoke for when in an instant later mr stuyvesant re-entered the parlour with bertram at his side the rapidly changing cheek of the gentle girl showed that the surprise even though thus tempered was almost too much for her self-possession mr stuyvesant did not wait for the inevitable embarrassment of the moment to betray itself in words mr sylvester said he to the young cashier we have just received a piece of news from the bank that throws unexpected light upon the robbery we were discussing yesterday hopgood has absconded and acknowledges here in writing that he had something to do with the theft hopgood the janitor the exclamation was directed not to mr stuyvesant but to mr sylvester towards whom bertram turned with looks of amazement yes it is the greatest surprise i ever received returned that gentleman and mr sylvester continued mr stuyvesant with nervous rapidity and a generous attempt to speak lightly there is a little lady here who is so shaken by the news that nothing short of a word of reassurance on your part will comfort her bertram's eye followed that of mr stuyvesant and fell upon the blushing cheek of cicely with a flushing of his own brow he stepped hastily forward miss stuyvesant he cried and looking down in her face forgot everything else in his infinite joy and satisfaction yes announced the father with abrupt decision she is yours you have fairly earned her bertram bowed his head with irrepressible emotion and for a moment the silence of perfect peace if not of awe 
reigned over the apartment but suddenly a low determined no was heard and bertram turning towards mr stuyvesant exclaimed you are very good and the joy of this moment atones for many an hour of grief and impatience but i have not earned her yet the fact that hopgood admits to having had something to do with the robbery does not sufficiently exonerate the officers of the bank from all connection with the affair to make it safe or honourable in me to unqualifiedly accept the inestimable boon of your daughter's regard till the real culprit is in custody and the mystery entirely cleared away my impatience must continue to curb itself i love your daughter too dearly to bring her anything but the purest of reputations am i not right miss stuyvesant she cast a glance at her father and bowed her head you are right she repeated and mr stuyvesant with a visible lightening of his whole aspect took the young man by the hand and with as much geniality as his nature would allow informed him that he was at last convinced that his daughter had made no mistake when she expressed her trust in bertram sylvester and in other eyes than cicely's shone the light of satisfied love and unswerving faith end of chapter forty four